from the front to the back, if you can just set your heart on the Lord. Like I, like, I need everybody in the room to, like, set your affection towards Jesus. And maybe you're like, I don't even know if he's there. Just turn your heart and your mind towards God. And I would ask you if, you, if you're possible, if you're comfortable, to kind of bow your head, close your eyes, and put your hands out in front of you like you're about to catch something, like you're like to receive something. The Lord is closer than you know. And he's a good father. And so we're just going to lean into the goodness of God. And right there, everybody in here with their hands out in front of them, I, I believe God wants to show you something, give you something. So I woke up this morning, you just keep right there with the Lord, and, and it was the statement, rest, don't strive. I just speak rest over you all. You take a deep breath. It's not about how well you sung or even if you have all the answers. It's do you have your faith and your trust in Jesus and his goodness. Rest, don't strive. So I'm going to pray a simple prayer, and then I just want you to write there. Like, the Father's a good Father, and He gives good things to His kids. And so, Father, pour out on your kids. Give them what they need. They don't need me. They need you. So I pray for your love to pour over them, for your spirit to fill them, for you to give gifts that you, that you want to give. Give them revelation of your love. Give them a revelation, like a fullness, an understanding, a knowledge of the breadth and the width and the height and the depth of the love of God. If anyone is in here and you're like, man, I don't know if God loves me, the Lord is in love with you. Ephesians 3, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Lord, do that. Father, you're good. I lean into your goodness and I rest in how good, faithful, and true you are. That you love everybody in this room more than they know. That you want them to know you more than they want to know you. Would you reveal yourself to them? Would you reveal your love by your spirit and power right now? Bless your kids. In the name of Jesus, anything that's clinging to them that's not of you, get it off. In the name of Jesus, I just pray, just, Father, send fear and pride and the spirit of religion fleeing. And I pray for the freedom of God. I ask for your freedom in this place. I ask for a deposit of joy that your kids should be the happiest people on the planet. Would you pour out your supernatural joy, fill them up, there to be joy in the house of the Lord. I pray for spiritual ears, open up our ears, open up the let our eyes of our hearts see you and behold you. And anybody in here that's thinking, this is stupid, Lord, would you speak to them? Would you... Would you show them yourself right now? You're good. That thought doesn't scare you. You're good, but you're better than good, Lord. 
It's your goodness that I lean into, that you want to show yourself to your kids. So we bless you. We love you. In the name of Jesus, by the blood of the Lamb, I pray these things. Amen. So don't turn your heart. Actually, just grab a seat really gently. Don't turn your heart from the Lord. One of my favorite things that the Holy Spirit does is he shows us who we are in Christ, that we are sons and daughters, and that he's a father. That's actually one of the greatest revelations that you can ever get. It's like, I'm actually a son of God. I'm actually his. He actually looks at me, and he loves me, and he wants me, and he's like, you can come in and meet with me anytime. That is, that is the good, that's the goodest news I got, goodest news I have for you. And so when we talk about the Holy Spirit, and we will talk about the Holy Spirit today, we're, we're in a series called Walk by the Spirit. I think that's the biggest assumption is that you assume a lot of things about the Holy Spirit. That's going to get weird, that it's going to get crazy. No, it's just your heart so full of the love of God that you are so free, that you know the pleasure of the Father, and you're so comfortable just sitting in it and dishing it out to every person you meet. That's my hope for you by talking about the Holy Spirit. So I already said it, but like I woke up and I'm hoping that our expectation level today is high. I hope it's high. And so I told you last week, if you could fast like this week and fast for today. And so about midway through the fast, I really, man, you ever have that moment where you start striving, you're like, God, you gotta do this, you got to. And I'm, you know, I'm begging the Lord. I'm begging my Father in heaven who I don't have to beg to show up. And in my very extreme mind, I'm like, Lord, make this the day that you do that like Old Testament stuff. You rip the ceiling off or like a pillar of fire shows up or like, you know, just do that. And I really felt like he was like, I wrote it on my middle finger, which is why I'm, it says rest, don't strive. It says rest. Our Father's good. And the place of Christianity that is powerful is a group of people that know who they are and know who their father is. So we know who our father, he's good. He wants to show himself to you more than you wanna see him. He's so good, so good. And so midweek, my prayers changed from make it this Shekinah moment to, <laughs> to rest. This is the Lord's house, and he's good. And so instead of praying all those things, I felt like, I felt like I asked the Lord for a visitation today and to give each of you what you need, which some of you, you need just a huge amount of love. Some of you, you need maybe a little chastisement. Some of you need encouragement. I don't know what you need, but it's probably all different. And midweek, my prayers changed for you, and I started praying, Lord, when you show up, when, did you hear that? When you show up, make the people's hearts ready. So I've prayed for your heart this week, all of you. I love you, and that's what I want. I want our hearts like fertile soil for whatever God wants to do. Whatever God wants to do, I'm in. And so I'm praying that this series, uh, which if I'm being honest, I actually pulled out of the series schedule uh, a month or so ago. And so in January, we said, give God his church back, right? That was like the rallying cry that we are not in a transactional relationship with God, we're in a relationship, which means there could be Sundays that God speaks to us by his spirit and says, I just want you to sing all Sunday. And I know some of you are like, I don't want to sing all Sunday. Well, we're not singing to you, so it's good. So it's really, it's okay. I know you don't want to sing. What if God wanted us to? Just enjoy him. What if God was like, I just want you to open up the word and read it for 50 minutes. Don't expound on it. Don't say, just read it. Read it over the people, and I will apply it to their hearts. Would we even be listening? Would we be willing to say, okay, okay we'll go your way, or would we not even be listening and go, we gotta go with what we got? Uh, give God his church back. The heart of that is that idea of relationship with God, and it might be different because relationships change every day, Right? Someday your wife needs, needs a hug. Other days she needs a good old get out the door. You know what I'm saying? That was, never mind, okay. <sighs> it's February, we talked about, you know, be about the Father's work, this, this idea of discipleship, that Jesus left us a work to do. 
love him and then create more people that love him and look like him and act like him and pray like him and are like him. And if we're not doing discipleship, if we're not making disciples, then what are we doing? It doesn't matter. And so I took walk by the spirit out because it makes people nervous and because people murmur when you talk about the Holy Spirit and people accuse you of things when you talk about the Holy Spirit. So I'll tell you why I took this series out. I got afraid. And I felt like the Lord was like, why are you afraid? Do you not trust my word? I was like, I do trust your word, but your people hurt. They hurt me. And and so I love the word of God, but it is the word of God which has drove me, driven me, drive? Droven, yes. (laughs) To pursue the spirit of God. And when those things are married in this church, you will see the glory of God. You will. And I know that ruffles some of you because I think when you hear walk by the Spirit, you are so far into assumption of what that means. You think that means we're all going to be doing like Pentecostal laps and yelling in tongues. I guarantee you that's not where we end up. I shouldn't make guarantees. Maybe. Okay. But that's not my plan. That's not my plan. My whole heart is hunger and expectation, an expectation that people will come here and they will meet God, not men. They will encounter a living God who does supernatural spiritual things. Everything about your faith is supernatural from the start. You were saved by a supernatural God who did a supernatural act to make you alive spiritually, filled you with his Holy Spirit. So I want us hungry, man. I want us like, I can't wait to get to the house of the Lord and see what he does. And I also want to give the Holy Spirit, the God who is the Spirit, his rightful place. So I've said this to you before. How hungry are you? If I promised you that if you sat in this room for 24 hours, 100%, God will meet you. Would you sit here with me? And I know some of us are like really quick, like, lock in, I'm with you. Not trying to relive middle school, I'll tell you that. But normally when we come to God, I'm hungry for you, Lord. Fill me, God. Use me, God. We give him about two to three minutes to give us what we need. You got, you got four minutes tops because I'm gracious, Lord. And then as soon as it doesn't happen the way we think, we're like, I tried. And off we go to solve our problems and run a church how we want, maybe not how he wants. How hungry are you? I want to be a church that's known for their hunger for God. And what if... God, the only thing God's trying to do through this series and right now in our church is just show us that there's more. Church, there's more. I'll just let you in on a little revelation I've had. The moment you're like, I got God figured out, you do not. I guarantee you, you do not. So there's never a moment where I can go, I know that he's going to do this. So you ever have a moment when you're fasting? I did this last time I fasted, not this time, but last time. I felt like, I was like, God, I'm gonna fast and then you're gonna do this. And he's like, that's not how this works. This is not a transaction. I'm not Verizon. I'm in a relationship with you, Andrew, and I want your heart. I could care less about your physical hunger. I want your heart. And so as we look about walking by the Spirit, there's a real, real reality to it in the word of how necessary it is for a church not to divorce the Holy Spirit. And where they do, they're not unsaved, but they are missing something. So I'll just walk you through. If you have a Bible, I want you to go to 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 20. We're gonna tear that part, that verse apart here in a second. But I just wanna lay a scriptural foundation of why the Spirit's necessary and what he does. So as you're going there, there's an importance on learning about the Holy Spirit. And that's not charismatic language, that's Bible language. Did you hear me? That's Bible language. So in 2 Corinthians 3.17, it says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Do we want freedom? Yes, we do, right? And I know, because we're Americans, we're like, I was born free. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I know. But this is a level of freedom that only the Holy Spirit brings because in context, this says every time the Old Testament is read, the law of Moses is read, there's like this veil they can't see over the people's eyes. 
And so it's the Spirit of God that comes in, takes away the veil, so we can see the worth of the work of Jesus Christ. So you can't even see the worth of what Jesus did on the cross unless the Holy Spirit takes that veil away. That's what that whole verse is talking about. The Spirit comes in and brings freedom from the law and freedom from judgment and freedom from trying to have to do after do after do. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. John 4, 24, God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. I love the Bible. You know why? Because the words matter. What's the word must mean? Must. Let's just say it a couple times. Must. 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 You have to. There's no way around it. If you only try to worship with your mind in truth, that's only half of it, right? So you... The Lord is after worshipers, people that will honor him and adore him in two things, in the spirit, because the spirit of God comes into us and testifies that we are sons and daughters of God and cries out, Abba, Father, that spiritual cry that only God produces in truth and truth. Smack those two things together and you have worship, which God says, that's what I want. Why? Because God is spirit. So to worship him only in a physical plane or to only judge worship by like, well, I really liked those drums, kick those up a little bit, is to miss the point entirely. It could be great sounding music with no spirit in it. Romans eight thirteen. for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. I love everything about this. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. No if, ands, or buts, right? You will. So if we live according to just purely physical things that we can see with our eyeballs and judge things from a temporary plane, we will die. But if by. So there's an if, which means you have a choice. And then by means there's no you in there, right? So it's not like, hey, work really hard and do it yourself and then sprinkle a little Holy Spirit in there. No, it's by the Spirit. He's the only active participant right there. By the Spirit, you put death to death the deeds of the body. You will live. You will. And so before we get into 1 Thessalonians, and I pray before we do that, I just want to clear some things up. And these are really more from my heart than they are anyone else. Uh, number one, I, everybody in here is at a different spot with God. Everybody. So regardless if like yesterday you gave your life to Jesus or 20 years ago you did and now you hang out with God in the third heaven every Monday morning, no matter where you are on the spectrum, you all have a place today where I believe God's gonna say, take a step with me. Now regardless of where you are, you don't look at anybody else and go, why are you so far ahead? You go, will you help me? And I feel like Satan's doing primarily three things in our midst right now with the work of the Spirit and why, it's what, what, I just see it happen all the time. One of the primary ones is, here's the, here's the deal, I believe in all sorts of gifts. All of them. So some of you, you are gifted in hospitality. Like you love doilies and fall decor. It's your jam, you know? But really, hospitality is labeled as a spiritual gift that God has given you a heart to make people feel comfortable in the places they're in so they can receive what God wants them to receive. That's biblical hospitality. It's not doilies and fall decor and candles and you know, smelly stuff, essential oils. That's not hospitality. Hospitality is you make somebody feel so at ease, so comfortable and so loved that when you tell them that the love of God is for them, they receive it. That's hospitality. So if you have hospitality, God gave you that. Praise God, use it, please. But if you've been given the gift of tongues, use it, please. But what happens is when we have hospitality, we look at the guy with tongues or prophecy or whatever the heck they're rolling in over there, and we go, they're more spiritual than me. Stop it. That is the enemy, and it's a lie. So you have spiritual gifts. And let's say some of you have been given with administration, like you're good at admitting stuff, delegating things, organizing things. Look at me, help me. 
help me. Help. I need help. You don't, like, the alternative is if I'm just, like, throwing a dart into the calendar in the office to be like, that feels like a good date. You're like, no, moron, let's organize this. I need you. We need each other, right? But what Satan tries to come in and is go, oh, those prophecy guys, they think they're way more spiritual important than we are. No. No. Whatever gift you've been given. So if you walk in prophecy, walk. Not hard, like pridefully, walk in it. If you have administration, walk in it. If you have tongues, Tongue it up. I felt weird. I felt, even when I was saying it, I was like, don't tongue it up. That's weird. Mm-mm. <clears throat> Secondly, I'm not actually after manifestations of the Spirit. Did you hear me? But there's a fear that kind of gnaws on you Bible guys. I finger quoted it because I'm a Bible guy too. There's this fear that we're, gonna, we're, we're chasing something, but we're not. We're chasing the Lord. And the closer you get to the Lord, the more supernatural it probably will look. And so I actually, what I want is the fullness of the revelation of the love of God to so fill and saturate your heart that you are so free that no one could put chains on you again. And I want you to run in it. And when you meet other people that aren't free, you're like, I know a guy, Jesus, that can get those off of you. And if he uses prophecy in that process, use it wisely. If he uses hospitality to get him in the door, use that gift. But it's Satan that starts playing on our minds that like he's going after something crazy. I'm not. I'm going after the manifest realness of God. So if everybody in here is in process, I just want to pray that as we read the word of God here in a second, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 20, that the spirit of God, who is God, would apply it to your heart. Like, he would do whatever needs to be happening in it. Uh, he's better at it than me. So let's pray really quick. Jesus, I ask for your freedom. Freedom in the name of Jesus. I thank you for every person in this room. You knew they would be in here before the beginning of time, and that blows my mind. You knew. You loved them. And so, Holy Spirit, come and pierce our hearts. Word of, use the word of God to do what it's supposed to do. Change us. Mold us to look more like your son. And I do pray that, that we would rest and not strife. So right now, God, we just rest into the finished work of Jesus. We don't have to do anything. You're so good. In the name of your son, amen. So if you don't have a Bible open, please, I actually love it when we actually have physical Bibles and we're looking at the word of God. So 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16 to 20, I'm gonna read the whole thing and then we're just gonna kind of tear it apart. Uh, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. So in this short little verse, you have some pretty amazing things, right? So let's just break it down from the top. Rejoice always. How are we doing? Right? So normally what we do with this verse is we get to 19 and we kind of, we take the verse and we, we rip it apart. But what I want to show you is that the first three things are just as connected to do not quenching the spirit as the last two things. And what I mean is, a normal reaction to rejo- like rejoicing always. Do you know what rejoicing looks like? When you get the best news of your day and you're like, whoa, let's get a Sunday. That's rejoicing. Like, I just need to treat myself because I've just been blessed. Like, rejoicing. Like, you're just, re- this is like this, this ecstatic excitement, re- like love of the Lord. Rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. Like, that's rejoicing. We don't do that. If we did it all the time, people would look at us like the weirdest people on the planet, right? Because rejoice always means regardless of what circumstance comes in through the door, what should we be doing? Woo, that's hard, right? That's not a normal human reaction. So rejoicing always is a spirit-wrought thing, which I mean is the spirit produces that ability. A man 
without the Lord, without Jesus, without the Spirit, without the Word commanding him, will not rejoice when the diagnosis hits, when the job is lost, when stuff gets hard. He won't rejoice. But when the Spirit of God's in you, you can go, praise God even when it hurts. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. How you doing? I know we joke about it a lot in the offices. People are like, what are you praying about? Praying all the time. Like, you know, it's just... Pray without ceasing is not a normal reaction of a heart that's not attached to the Lord by the Spirit, though. And I'd actually say, don't pray. Like, are you talking to and hearing from God all the time? Because the beautiful thing is, in your cubicle, at home with the kids, driving to Cincinnati, whatever you're doing, you have, a, you have the Lord to go, Father, what do you think? Where do you want me to go? What do you think about, what? why is this scripture read the way it does? We, we, we so often remove God from all the other places that he wants to be without ceasing. So to pray without ceasing is not a normal, it's a cry of the Holy Spirit when things get hard, the Lord's like, bring it to the Father. Bring it to the Father. Talk to him about it. You ever feel that? That's the Lord. It's not because you're a really spiritual person that likes to pray a bunch. It's this Spirit of Christ that's been poured out into our hearts that cries out, Abba. This is the Lord. Give thanks in all circumstances. Once again, how, how are we doing with that? Like thankful Christians that no matter what comes at them, even when the stuff hits the fan, they're like, thank you, God. Thank you, God. And so that means when the baby's born healthy, thank God when the pink slip hits. A little harder, right? That's hard, right? Almost impossible in your human endeavor, but with the Spirit of God, it's possible. So that's, <laughs> that's the, the link. Yes, Lord. It's a joke. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So if you've been looking for the will of God, I just gave it to you. Stop. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you, that you would be rejoicing all the time which means as you're walking into work, you are just thanking God, rejoicing in the goodness of God, that he's with you as you walk in the door. He's with you when you're sitting at lunch. He's with you when you're driving home, tired as ever. He's with you when you walk in the door and the wife says something and you're like, oh, I just want to sit down and drink some water, but then you got to play with the kids. The Lord is with you. Rejoice. The Lord is with us, and so we get to talk to him and be with him without ceasing. That's a good invitation. That's a good invitation. But it all hinges on do not quench the spirit, in my opinion, because the letter is a letter, right? So normally we're like, do not, it seems like, kind of like separated. Do not quench the spirit. So if I do quench the spirit, it might get really hard to rejoice, give thanks, and pray. But if I un uncork that bottle, uncork or unquench that thing, what should be existing in the life of a Christian is rejoicing, praying, thankfulness. Do not quench the spirit. Let's talk about that. Because in this verse, you have two do's and two do nots, or two do nots and then two do's. The first one is do not quench, which I'm gonna call, I, I always picture the work of stoking a fire. So if any of my manly men have ever made a fire in the woods, you, you know that there's, it's, a, it's a job, right? You gotta constantly add wood to it and when I think about this, by definition, to quench means to extinguish a fire or it means to stifle or suppress a feeling. So if you have a fire and you dump water on it, you are quenching it. You're putting it out. And if you have a, an emotion and you're like, shut up, emotion, don't feel that right now, you are, you're quenching an emotion. And the picture that I have is if you've ever been backpacking, and you went in like kind of a cooler month, the, one of the best moments is after you've walked miles and miles and miles and you're hungry and tired and cold, you light a fire. And you sit by the fire and it's warm and then you go to bed and when you get up in the morning, if you made the fire right, there's little embers. And so what do you do with that? Everybody blow on the back of the person's head in front of you. Don't do it, I'm just, the corona, I'll get you. Bad joke, bad joke. You're not supposed to touch your face either, but I did. So. 
ADD got me. I'm back. I'm back. So you come out of that tent in the morning, and you're groggy, and there's an ember, and what do you do? Everyone, you blow on the embers, and you add fi- like fuel to the fire, and then it's a flaming fire. This is the picture of do not quench. So it's not just, just prevent it from happening, it's build it. It's I wanna give a place of desire and access and a place for the Lord to speak and the spirit to have room to do whatever he wants to do. This is the spirit of not quenching. So a really honest question would be, what if I do, what if what do I do if I did? What if, if I did quench the spirit? What what how would I know? And I'll just talk on me so I'm not like you guys. Uh, for a long time in my life, I felt like I was honoring the word of God as I understood it, and I was not quenching. I was doing what I was supposed to do, right? And so maybe this is what I'll put on you. I can't tell you if you're quenching, but I think you need to spend some time with the word and with the Lord and going, am I giving you full room to do whatever you want? Is there anything in my life that I can do like, so when you look at, when I look at this church, it is entirely possible for me to preach, run it, program it without a lick of supernatural help, with no power from heaven, purely a human endeavor. Look at your life, and where is your life purely a human endeavor, and where have you maybe, maybe stifled, maybe quenched or corked up the work of God who is the Spirit? And if you have, hear, hear me, if you have, you're not, any uns, you're not unsaved. You're not less saved if you've quenched, but you are missing something. I'll actually say that differently. You're not missing something, you're missing someone. The Holy Spirit's a person, it's a person that you can grieve him. And, and so if we realize maybe, uh, maybe I have quenched, maybe I have been afraid, maybe I've let experience drive my theology, This is what I'll say. It seems to me that when the Holy Spirit shows up, like is not quenched, things happen that don't normally happen. And this is what I mean. I grew up, and I'm gonna finger quote again, I have lived and grown up in what I'm gonna call normal, did you see that? Normal Christian environments, which were very traditional, very formatted, very structured. They were good, they weren't evil, they were from the Lord, but they bred in me a form of Christianity that had no expectation and very little hunger. You ever felt that? And so it seems to me that when the Spirit of God shows up, people are healed. Demons flee. And people are saved in a rate and in a number that doesn't normally happen. So I know some of you, your first reaction is, I have the Holy Spirit, I've never quenched him. Well, just (laughs) spend some time with Jesus, that's all I'm asking. Spend some time with Jesus and his word, you ask him, and you let him do that heart surgery with you. Secondly, if it's do not quench the spirit, it's do not despise. So don't despise. Do not despise prophecy. Now, it's talking about prophecy, but when I think about uh, the idea of despising, it's this work of remaining open and soft and pliable. So let's say someone comes to my front door tomorrow, and immediately upon opening the door, I slam it shut. What can you assume about the person on the other side? I ain't want nothing to do with them. I don't like them. I might even just be like despising them a little bit, right? And when you look at this idea of defining, I mean, looking at despising, do not despise the prophecy. Let me define prophecy, and it's gonna be the dumbest or the most based down prophecy definition. God speaks by his spirit straight through a person into their heart, and it comes out of their mouth for another person for their upbuilding. That's the most basic because I don't have time to define it. God speaks, you speak what God tells you to speak. That's the most base understanding of prophecy. Do not despise prophecy. Now here's what I know about prophecy. It's easy to despise. Do you know why? Because people are involved. The number one reason I know people despise certain gifts of the Spirit is because people use them wrong. Maybe some of you are in that boat. I've been in that boat like at least 17 times in my life. I'm like, I don't like that. That doesn't feel right. That's not the way to use that. But improper use is improper. Did you hear me? Improper use is improper. 
And so if we're not to despise prophecy, we have to understand, man, what I want most is I want to hear from God. And if this is a gift he gives, and I believe he does, then I want people walking in it in this church so I can hear. But this is what I've recognized about the gift of prophecy. Since it's easy to despise, uh, normally what we do is we just load like the ammunition clip every time someone does it wrong. And we're like, do it wrong one more time. I'll put you out of your misery, right? But this is what I know. Like, if you have teenagers in your house, what are teenagers, what are teenagers, like normal physical teenagers? They make messes everywhere they go. Sorry, teenagers. They spend your money. And they're sometimes a little self-centered. And you got to ground them sometimes, right? Now, go into a spiritual teenager form. They make messes. They're immature. They use your resources. They're very self-saturated. So, so if you take somebody that's gifted in, say, hospitality, like you're getting started in hospitality, all you do is just throw down a bag of Cool Ranch Doritos, and you're like, eat. Right? But then you learn, like, maybe I should do a little bit more, so you light a nice candle and learn about doilies and fall decor, and then you're like, now I'm cruising in my gift, right? So I, I'm going to say something that's not prideful at all because I believe I have a teaching gift. Like, and you would know that if you interacted with me anywhere else other than where I'm standing. Because you're like, that guy's awkward. Like, half the time when you're talking to me out here, I'm just like, I don't even know what to do with my body right now. Like, uh, and my wife's laughing like she is because she's like, it's true. He's kind of weird. He doesn't really do well in social settings. But then I get up here, and the Spirit of God does something. He does. And I know some of you are like, well, I wish he'd do it better, uh, but ouch. <laughs> and I say all that because when I first got started doing teaching, right? This is my honest opinion of my first years of teaching. Like that. Did you see that? Like, it wasn't good. It really wasn't. But what happened is, even in the moments where I was like, turned to 2 Jeremiah 39.4, and I had older men come up to me and be like, bud, that, that wasn't it. That wasn't it. With a lot of grace, and they grew that gift in me. They grew it. But what happens with prophecy or tongues is someone does it wrong once, and we stone them to death. And therefore, our teenagers in these gifts don't ever become mature because they're all dead, or they run to some other place that will actually foster that in them. Don't stone them anymore. Grow them up. I guarantee you, you give anybody in this room a revelation from God in a prophetic word, they're gonna, they won't even know what to do with it at first. But if every time they speak it, we stop it. Like, they'll never use it. They'll never grow up. I'm, I'm, I love you all in this room that have the gift of prophecy. You know why? Because every time any of you in this room that have actually exercised that gift with me, you've always done it with a great degree of humility and a great degree of just like, I just lay this before you. You test it. I've tested it. I, usually it's this way. I have sat on this for two weeks, and I can't not give it to you. But here it is. That's a heart of humility. That's a heart of like, I just have to honor the Lord. That's what, how prophetic words should work. Once again, What's happening in our minds right now is from the enemy. That doesn't make hospitality or administration or service or any of the other gifts less important. But we can't go, hey, I have hospitality. You're making me uncomfortable. Stop using your gift. You can't do that. can't. So do not despise prophecy. It's not just the work of not slamming the door on the Holy Spirit. The do not despise is opening the door to what the Lord wants to do with any gifts that he wants to give and fostering and growing up people that are in those things. Bless you. But test everything. Bible guys, look at me. Everybody in here should be like, yes, because you're all Bible people. Test everything. We get to do that. You get to test everything. You get to use your own discernment, listen to the voice of the Lord, which you know because you're one of his sheep, and then test anything someone says to you. The Lord said this, well, does it match up with this? And if it doesn't, you can be like, yeah, but no. This has happened to me so many times, guys. This is a blessing from the Lord that we get to, we get to test. 
I love testing. You know who else loves testing? John Johnson loves testing. You give him a word, he will write it down word for word, and he will test it. He's laughing because it's happened to him. Like while you're doing a work, working one of these gifts, he's writing it down. It makes you nervous, but that's testing. But I want you to notice it doesn't say be careful, be skeptical, be really, really guarded. When someone comes to you and says, I feel like the Lord might want to be saying this, don't go, ah! Be like, I, lo- I would love to hear what God wants to say to me. Now, the thing is, that person should have already filtered it through Scripture, spent some time praying about how they should deliver it, and then been really humble in how they delivered it. And then you get to do the same thing. You get to be humble in accepting it, and then you get to test it and filter it through discernment and the Spirit of God and the voice of the Lord and the Word of God. And if it doesn't fit, guess what you get to do with it? Throw it away. That's what testing does. So look at the fruit. Does it build up the church, and does it encourage people to walk in the fullness of freedom that Jesus has for them? Those two questions will save you a lot of rebuke. That's what my job is, is to correct these things, not kill teenagers that are walking in gifts improperly, but to correct, to grow up, to be like, maybe not do it that way. Maybe when you came heavy-handed and said, this is the voice of the Lord, you probably should not do that. We get to test and discern. And so all supernatural revelations can be tested by the inerrant living word of God. All of them. I'll even say this far. I've had people pray over me. This is real life. They're praying over me. And they're praying something. I'm like, yeah, Lord, I hear your voice in that. Yes, Lord, I agree. I want that. They'll start praying something else. I'll be like, no, Lord. Nope. Don't want that. Closed off to that. And then they'll go back into another. I'll be like, yeah, Lord, yeah. Same prayer, same person, right? test, but don't slam the door. And then finally, it says, hold fast that which is good. And this is the work of clinging to what is true, what is pure, what is good, what is from heaven. And if you're testing, this is what I know Paul meant. If he says, hold fast to what is good, what did he know there would be? Bad. He knew there'd be wrong stuff, but he doesn't say, all right, shut the thing down. No more Holy Spirit. No, no more prophecies, no more. No, he says, hold fast to what is good. So the- Everybody say, thanks, Ryan. If you're looking for a perfect church, this ain't it. So, whew, that's a little Holy Spirit timeout right there. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. To walk in that. Do not quench the Spirit. Don't put out the flame that God wants to burn in you. Do not despise prophecies, but hold fast to what is good. Hold fast to it. And so we're at this moment as a church where really it's, it's been a process of, man, looking at Scripture and going, all right, what does God demand of us? Well, God today says don't quench the Spirit. That's what he's saying today. And so my response to the Spirit of God by the Word of God is, am I? Am I? And if you're in here, and the last week we talked about hearing the voice of the Lord, being filled with the Spirit, and all these things that we, we want to experience, I only really know one way how to do it. You're like, tell me. One word, ask. Ask. You can't actually save yourself. Did you know that? Only Jesus can. You, you can't 
fill yourself with the Holy Spirit. You can't gift yourself. You can't do any of it. All of this is rooted in asking. And it's not a momentary, if we have the persistent widow in our mind or asking and knocking and seeking, it's not like, give it to me. No, it's like a repeated, like, Father, I want whatever you want. Give it to me, give it to me, give it to me. I want it. I want you. And then he's doing the purifying work of making your heart ready to actually handle the gifts that would maybe destroy you if he gave them to you right now. And so I have repeatedly asked the Lord for joy and insight and discernment and help. You all pray those prayers, I hope? I hope you're asking the Lord daily, give me wisdom, give me joy, give me you. But I've also started asking the Lord for the gifts of tongues, prophecy, dreams, words, knowledge, anything he wants to give me, anything. And if that makes you nervous, I'll tell you why. Because the Bible told me so. And I'll show you really quick, because we are out of time, but I'm gonna keep talking. 1 Corinthians 12, 31 says, earnestly desire the higher gifts. So earnestly desire those. 1 Corinthians 14, 1, pursue, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. What's the word especially mean? Give special attention to this one. Ask the Lord for that. Now, I don't know what you think earnestly desiring looks like, but if you were to earnestly desire another human being, what would that look like? That's how I picture earnestly desiring these gifts and the Lord and his spirit. Earnestly desiring to be with my wife is I pay for dinner, I make a calendar date, I seek it all the time, I talk to her all the time, I wanna be with her all the time. I don't even know why I'm doing this, but I am. Earnestly. Now, here's what I know. That doesn't mean I get. Did you hear me? That doesn't mean God knows best and God is the gifter. But if we're to follow the commands of Scripture, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 14, and even 5, Ephesians 5, 18, which we talked about last week, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, instead be filled with the Spirit, we should start asking. Like, let's ask. And here's the prayer I wanna put before you. God, I want whatever you want to be wherever you go, I'm all in. That's all, that's all I'm asking. God, I want whatever you wanna give. I wanna be wherever you are. I'm all in. I'm yours. And so this isn't some delusion that you're gonna get everything you want. The Bible says you, each of us has been given a manifestation of the Spirit for the building of the body, which means some of you are gonna get different things than I'm gonna have. But it's God's plan and it's God's intention that they be given. So let me set this up. I felt like I was just supposed to put you back in a place of just asking. No promises, no hitting anybody in the head, none of it. Just sit you before a loving father, and if you're feeling the Holy Spirit go, I want to fill you, ask him to. And if you feel it, stop it. If you're feeling this like, oh, I, I should earnestly do If I should earnestly desire, then that just starts with asking. That's a simple. I'm going to pray a simple prayer. I'm going to pray a simple prayer that the Lord would show up in this room and that he would fill and gift and do whatever he wants to do. No promises, but he's good and he loves you. And this is all I'll say, after my prayer, you, you are free to leave, you are free to stay, you are free to get prayer, and this is what I actually, my hope is, is as you sit there, if you feel God doing anything, I mean, you feel like God's stirring your heart to repent, come and receive prayer from our prayer people. If you feel like God's like, go ask to be filled, come and receive prayer. If you feel like the Lord's like, I want to gift you, come and get prayer. Like, do something with that. Don't just fade out into the day, press into the Lord, and let us walk with you. So if you're a prayer counselor, would you actually come up here right now? And everybody else, if you could just go back to that place of heads bowed, hands out in front of you. Right there in that spot with your head bowed and your arms out to receive, man. Like, this isn't about a feeling. This isn't about some experience. 
This is about catching hold of the reality of God, the reality of Jesus. So, Father, I sit your kids before you, who you love so much. And I invite you here, Lord, and in the least weird way possible, Holy Spirit, come and have your way. I ask that you would reveal yourself, Lord, to your kids that feel like they can't see you. I ask, Lord, that you would give whatever gifts you want to give. I pray for a ton of administrators. But I don't neglect the other gifts, Lord. So I ask that you would give as you see fit, that you'd prepare our hearts to be filled, that you would come now and set people free in the name of Jesus. So brothers and sisters, I invite you to rest, not strive. Rest, don't strive. As I sit you right there, we're going to step into worship, and you are free to leave, you're free to stay, you're free to come get prayer, you're free to kneel or sit or stand, do whatever you feel the Lord's calling you to do. I would say this, if you're here and you're like, I can't believe you said this about the Holy Spirit or this about filling, and you're just going to storm out and leave, please come talk to me before you do. I'll probably just hold on you in a hug long, too long, but I won't do that. I just want to talk to you. But if, you, if you're, if you're going to go and talk, if you could go out outside and talk, and if you stay in here, that your heart is worshiping and praying and responding to whatever the living God wants to do right now. Once again, when you feel the Lord is revealing himself to you, come and get prayer. I love you. Let's worship the Lord.